I, I no longer understood my purpose for being here. And I think that pretty much says it all. I attached my entire identity as a human being to my career. And I, I said earlier, like, because we were talking about how many artists there are now. It's a million artists, right? right? And like, how do I feel about it? I said, listen, it don't matter if you get, if you have all these cosigns or if someone just hands it to you, air quote, doesn't matter. It is hard regardless and you can't cheat the hard work. So the ones that will last and stand the test of time have to be willing to ride the peaks and the valleys. There's no way around it. Today, the topic of discussion on this episode of Points on the Board is the ability of how to be an amazing songwriter. So who would that be? Who would someone else had to craft a hit, not for the radio, but also for the B-side, satisfying their core audience while also grabbing some new people? I had to bring in the homie Elvarner. Elvarner popped onto the scene about six, seven years ago with a few hits, most notably Refill. And I only want to give it to you featuring J. Cole. She's back in 2019 with her new EP, Elevation, featuring singles with Wale and uh, Carolina's own Rhapsody. So the LA Nades stopped by here to talk about a few different things, obviously her new music, but, you know, talk about the impact of certain ladies from that uh, part of California have done to the game, uh, most notably Serena Williams and uh, her impacts on and off the court. What was it like growing up seeing a young black girl? with her sister wearing those braids in her hair on the tennis court. Varner, which I didn't know, was also a tennis player a little bit. Thankfully, she stopped playing, and she started going into her real crowd, which was singing songwriting. So on this episode of POTB, we sit down with Elle Varner and talking about how she puts points on the board with that pen. We in here. And Jalen Rose and I had this conversation the other day because he's like a big brother to me. I'm not going to let people pit us against each other. Like, there's only room for one black person to be on TV. A lot of girls, if they don't have a plan or they don't know better or they get sucked up in that life. And, you know, when I was in it, I was in it, I had a game plan. You know, we partnered up with the NBA and we launched a huge, huge, huge initiative in Africa to get kids more involved in, in, in basketball. First of all, especially when I grew up, DC was Chocolate City. So one black beauty was celebrated. The, the reason why it was set up that way because Dame was the was the forefront and he knew more about the business than Jay and myself. I love being at the intersection of politics, hip hop, um, the culture, social issues. Um, I don't think that I would be happy if I couldn't talk about how all those things come together. You can put it on the board or what? Hey, what's going on, y'all? This is Kyle Harvey here, managing editor of the Shadow League, and there's another episode of Points on the Board. Now, here on POTB, we interview the people that are the finishers, the closers in their field, whether that be on or off the field. Um, and today we're talking about in the booth. On this episode, we have... Okay, <laughs> you laughed. You messed me up. It's fine. <laughs> I got it. Yeah. So today on this episode, we have the lovely Elle Varner here talking about her new EP, Elevation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while, but hey, we're just so happy to be here because Elle Varner, more than anything else, um, from Refill and to all the other singles, that pen is a problem. So... <laughs> We're here to talk about that process and a few other things that are happening in the sports realm on this episode. So welcome, Elle Varner, to Points Hello, on the Board. Hello, thank you. Thank you for coming by. I really appreciate this energy. You're mad yellow and really positive right now, <laughs> you know, so. What you trying to say? Nah, man, say? I like it. It's no, the neon. Okay. I'm here. Okay, I'm here. Okay. So uh, thank you for coming by, man. But um, what's been up, man? Just, um, this, this EP, specifically Elevation, I was there two weeks ago when you performed in uh, in New York City yeah. to, uh, to a sold-out, very intimate crowd. Yeah. And, um, Aside from it being um, active, I think the one response people felt like it was kind of like, damn, she's back. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I, I never really left, but mm. but um, to, the perception is that I'm back, mm. you know. So, yeah, I would agree. Right. And, and again, for me, it, and again, being in the back, seeing the energy and then the songs and then the, the, the joint Wale and then the, the reception from that single as well, too. I mean, it, it has to be nice or refreshing to get back to, I want to say, not even your core fans, but getting back into your bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. Producing new material and then also getting that organic reaction that a lot of people tend to think they have when it comes to performing. But, you know, as someone who's actually nice with it, that must Thank be that you. must be that must be lovely to see. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's years and years in the making and all culminating to to these moments that are even more of a an additional preparation like now I'm like okay arenas mm. stadiums you know 
which I haven't always been, to be honest, I haven't always been completely sure hmm. of um, how I saw myself in that light and if I really saw myself. But as we get into this conversation, I think I have some exciting things to share Perfect. about that thought process. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I'd be disrespectful to call myself a performer. I remember <laughs> when I used to carry a tune. I knew my, right. my bass ones and my bass twos. Right. But um, I understand when you get on stage, there's a certain type of energy, preparation-wise, that I would akin it to playing sports. Yeah. You know, um, I guess process-wise, when it comes to performing, especially now, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're a vet. Right. You know, I, I think anyone could say that's been following your career, you've been doing this for a minute, and to yeah. a point at a high level. Yeah. Um, has there certain things within your process of getting to the point of walking on stage, has anything changed over the past few years? As in like, whether it be a mental thing, whether it be uh, a, aside from praying, are there any things that you're bringing to the table that have been a little bit more different this go around? Um, there's, a, there's a quiet space and energy surrounding this, this go around. It's like, okay, I'm not on a major label. Right. I... Am coming back into the ecosystem with all this streaming and all these things, mm. and there's a lot of. It's just I can't explain. It's like a divine energy. It's like talk about the chakra right here. I'm ready. Yeah. Well, there's that point where like I don't know if it was in the Kobe um, uh, documentary. Someone talks about like they visualize the shot. And then the shot goes in. Mm. Is that Kobe or is that? I mean, honestly, um, Curry. I, well, Curry and Kobe. I mean, you can you can go either or. You yeah. Know? And I think with Curry specifically is someone who's kind of revolutionized the game since he's been in it by, right. throwing, by throwing that three. Right. Uh, I would definitely take his advice when it comes to letting it in because if you're not visualizing it, <laughs> right? I mean, Kobe's a killer. Let's be clear. Yeah, you know, yeah, LA, yeah. LA's in here, but you know, I think the difference between Kobe and Curry now is kind of more of like they still have the same intensity. But the process of getting to the goal is different. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So for me, it's like, you know, for example, when I'm walking on stage and someone will, like, try to help me get up the stairs, and I'm like, I'm good. Because <laughs> it's I've already visualized. I, I'm not even thinking about that. Mm. I, I'm not going to fall. I'm not going to trip. I'm going into my moment. I'm walking into it, and I'm... I'm thinking about other things that just happens. Mm. That just happens. The walk or the the moves they just ha- they just unfold. But I don't have to think about it. And a lot of preparation comes into that. You know, a lot of practice. But it is mostly mental. Mm. You know, I I try to reserve th- my mental space in those moments for interacting with the crowd, to be present and like. You know, I might grab somebody's phone and start taking selfies or... It's a wild selfie. I've never seen that shit. That's probably crazy. (laughs) You know, I saw it in D.C. I noticed I was doing Not Tonight. I was doing an encore, and I noticed this little person. I said, I said, how old are you? She said 10. Wow, so she was... She was 10. So when did she... How old was she when Refill came out? Like two. Wow. Shout out to their mom. Two or three. (laughs) Yeah. Two, yeah. yeah. I can't do math today. It's fine. That's why we're creative. <laughs> Thank it's you. fine. Don't worry. It's all good. Um, so that's crazy. And I just, I have to be present to capture those moments. And um, back to the question. No, that's fine. I think what you were describing, though, and when it comes to the preparation, and we had a guy on here. Um, he was supposed to direct the Space Jam 2. I'm a man, oh. Terrence, from a random acts of flyness. Oh, you wow. know, A lot of people didn't know, and he kind of broke it down here on the podcast when he said that he was a... A former D1 athlete, I didn't know he actually mm. used to hoop. But, you know, we talked about the creative process of, you know, random acts of flyness. That shit is, you know, helter-skelter with, right. the, with the black experience, right? Right. But I was like, how the hell do you get into that space? And I think what he described and what you talk about of handling, dotting your I's and crossing your T's when it comes to the preparation. Yeah. It's called the flow state. Mm. Making sure that you're able to not let the, the little things, the things that are only taken care of or eliminated through muscle memory or, mm. you know, practicality, you let that go. Flow state is when you're operating at your peak. You mm. know, I would consider that the way you bring in Kobe. If Kobe, when Kobe hit 73, um, right. when, he, when he did that, that's the flow state. When, right, um, right. Anytime um, when the Philadelphia Eagles won, <laughs> that was the flow state. Right. Let that be known. 
But more importantly, it's uh, it's getting to the point where you've honored your skill set enough that you allow it to be free flowing. I'm pretty sure that's a little similar to like jazz, and more importantly, the freestyling that um, that comes from when your pen. Maybe when you, what's your flow state for your pen? So it has with this project. I was talking about it earlier. It was more speaking of flow. It was more of like a stream of consciousness. It wasn't this pragmatic approach. Like an outline. Like yeah, like well, well, I. <laughs> I keep forget. I couldn't think of the word last time. I think I mean to say academic, but like there's an academic approach to writing songs. Right. You know, you have the hook, you have the verse, or you have A B format, A B A B, or A B B A. The Beatles would have like A B C B. Yeah, in Blink One Eighty Two, they used to go. Um, I forget their format too, but that was more resigned to the punk side. Right, right. right. Yeah. And you know, Motown. These things are are clinical. You know, so early in my songwriting process, I was always using these tools and devices to to write songs. It wasn't so much of like, let me just flow with it. And with these songs, I really did. I just a lot of them were written in a stream, in a continuous stream of thought. See, that's how I write when I um I've 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 had two whiskey gingers. <laughs> um, so what what would assist you? Um, for you getting into your flow state, or yeah. is this all? Is this all entered? Like what it helps you propel? What is needed for you to require? All right, I'm in I've my bag tried, now. I've, you know, I remember one time I was working with Salam Remy. Oh, we just had him on the podcast. Shout oh, out nice. Salam, yeah. Yo, Queens get the money, right? <laughs> the money. Yo, he made sure to tell us like Queens is the best MCs because we're the flies. We have the airports, and he said uh. it with straight face. I was like, I gotta believe it. No, he's he's no joke. He's a killer. He's a killer. Um, and we were listening to some of the old stuff we did, which is made me cringe. Oh, why um, is that? Is it just like, a, is it a progress thing? Pour me optimism in a glass that never ends. Well, there you I'm go. gonna share it with my neighbor and share it with my friends. You were you like, were out here. Your <laughs> chakra was like, hey, look, I was free like, love, rainbow child. Yeah, right. Truly, Disney. Truly, truly. Um, that was many, many moons ago. Many moons. But there was a time when I worked with him, and I just like drank a bunch of wine, and he gave me uh, one of Amy's guitars to to play, and I was like, let me just, cause she's one of my idols. So I was like, and and I felt like I had channeled this energy in this state, you know, um, but. That's not, that wasn't for me. Mm. You know, growing up, I thought Billie Holiday, everyone that I looked up to kind of had some kind of tragic story mm. or, or experience. And I thought that came along with being an artist. I just thought, and even as a woman, I just thought. You connected, it's, it's, it's fucked up. We're at a point where we have to, as, well, not as creators, but like no one should ever. It's, it's like your pain should not be a badge of honor or something to, to justify. It can be a catalyst, right? Yeah, yeah. But it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be the common denominator for all great artists. But it it is in a lot of in a lot of ways, and that's part of where I'm at now. I'm like, okay, you're coming back into it. You got to take care of yourself. Mm. You take care of yourself. You're gonna take care of everything else. <laughs> that's Absolutely. it. That's yeah. it. So. Um, Nah, I wasn't, when I was in high school, middle school, and I was writing songs, I was just all me. I didn't need nothing. I don't need nothing now. Say less, say less. <laughs> I um, So let me ask you this. Get into that, Um, I, I know what I need and I know myself voice. Yeah. There was one collaboration on, on the EP that I saw that really stuck out. As someone who went to school in North Carolina, Rhapsody. Ooh. Talk to me about my baby Rhapsody, yo. Like Ooh. what? I mean, for, for someone to know themselves, that is a specific type of MC. <sighs> You know what I mean, and, and you know someone, someone who's seen both sides. Rappers worked with Cole, right, obviously Wale, right, right. elite MCs. Right, right. Why Rhapsody? Oh my God! Ooh, I get emotional just thinking of her verse. I mean, she's a problem, man. Every time I see her, I'm just like, Jesus, dude. dude you like, don't even, you can't even get, to, you can't even process in one to ten sittings the levels of levels of levels. Like, you can keep the tears. I'm on another tier elevation. Like, that's just one mild bar. Um, but we have always been kindred spirits. We've always been meaning to work for years. There was a little period of time where I was... Nah, uh, nah. 
Well, no, there were some things. There right. were some things going on. I couldn't release music, and um, so I couldn't. There was, you know, there was nothing I could really do. Right. And then, man, she's so real. Like it, do, it doesn't matter. She's not. She doesn't care. Like what other people think or or what what's your status like she's just real with it she she messes with real artistry mm. and so having her continued support over the years really meant a lot and it still does and i i just looked at, i look up to her as someone who's so true to herself undeniably so you know yeah she, she uh, she's true <laughs> you know what's so funny though i, I love how now especially when it, and, and the thing those two things about rhapsody and i'll, I'll move but I always like the fact that I wonder how much attributed her mentality comes from hooping because she hooped oh. all the way through college. You know, team player. Yeah. You know, some of some of the best of all parts. Yeah. That shit doesn't happen most of the times when it comes to creatives. It's it's not at all. It's a Pisces thing or something where it's like mad, you know, you fall on yourself, you you lose you you lose that a little bit. And it's not selfishness because it's emotion, but I do think, you know, a good teammate is someone who's uh, Low-key might be an empath, someone who understands that, hey, look, here's what I can do to go ahead and satisfy the job by any means. And I think that's how, I would assume that's how she approaches her uh, creative process when collaborating. I just had to get a book up on empaths um, to help deal with it because it's it's a lot. It's real. Are it's you, very real. Do you consider yourself to be an empath? I am absolutely an empath. Yeah, I, every time that Tabby talks, I have to go and watch my energy because she gives me so much smoke, I don't, <laughs> I have to... I could take that in. I can't. I can't right, have that everywhere. Right, you know right. what I mean. So it's it. But but that concept though. I mean, when you were at your lowest, or you know, you've alluded to it in between mm-hmm. the seven year period. Yeah. Where was your Where was your not empath energy, but where was your energy? Where was your emotion? What was the lowest point that you could speak on in between? Ooh, ooh. <laughs> I mean, honestly, like I I didn't. I, I no longer understood my purpose for being here, and I think that pretty much sa- says it all. Um, I I attached my entire identity as a human being to my career. I started at a very young age. I was very ambitious. I, I set specific goals. I wanna go to NYU. I wanna be signed up with Clive Davis. I want I want this, that, and the third. I want this car, I want this. Like, it was just all, and that's how I operated in life, mm. never knowing that, uh, sh- can I curse? Absolutely. Oh, shit happens, <laughs> like, yes. life happens. And and then, and I, I said earlier, like, because we were talking about how many artists there are now, it's a million artists, right? right? And like, how do I feel about it? I said, listen, it don't matter if you get if you have all these cosigns or if someone just hands it to you, air quote. It doesn't matter. It is hard regardless and you can't cheat the hard work. So the ones that will last and stand the test of time have to be willing to ride the peaks and the valleys. There's no way around it. Mm. Everyone who lasts goes through some period. Every athlete gets injured. They don't all recover, and they they don't all recover mentally. You know, that's that's really what it comes down to. So thank God I've been able to um, have the time, still have fans, still have loyal fans. People just, honestly, people love me. That's awesome. Yo, listen. I'm like, yo. I was over there telling, I was telling people, I said, yo, we got Varner. And they're like, Varner, nigga, Varner. (laughs) (laughs) Like, we got Varner coming through. When you say people by the last name, you got to go ahead and put something on there. Oh, shit, okay. But, you know, I mean, look, you know, like, I know the singles. And even just knowing the singles, singles mean a lot. Because if you're able to go ahead, I don't think R&B is, not hard, because it's disrespectful, but what makes a great song? A hook. And just like what makes, in my opinion, if you're a five-tool MC, can you make a great three-verse song? But more importantly, are you Wayne when you get 16 bars? Right, but, ooh. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a certain type of MC. Right, You know, not everyone makes songs, but I need you to give me satisfying 16. I've seen Cole do it. Every time Cole gets on another person's track, he's going to disrespect someone. I don't know why you put him at the end. It should be illegal to put J. Cole and probably Big Crit at the end of your songs because (laughs) they're going to go ahead and dominate it, right? Right, right. You know, so I guess maybe what I'm asking is, you know, while you were taking your time, and I want to say licking your wounds, it's not that, but taking a step back, 
was there were you happy seeing the way R&B was going in between because I think there was an explosion of like quality younger talent yeah, a yeah. younger generation that they yeah. need to be acknowledged yeah absolutely I'm very happy with it it's it's long overdue I think and it, it also expands the whole genre for everybody. Right. So people always think, oh, this one's winning. I'm not, or blah, blah, blah. No, that means that door is open for you to walk through now. Right. Um, and it should be a collective and a, and a camaraderie. We're, we're still an under, undermined genre. Mm. <laughs> right. Undermined, but very overpillaged. very very much so i um i would like to see the same things that i've been seeing with the the younger crop of these uh women mcs yeah i would like to see that energy if it hasn't been already displayed i don't know ari lennox is texting like says like hey girl but i do see tiara whack talking to meg stallion meg stallion talking about rhapsody and their accomplishments and everything like that like it feels like we're getting into an age right now where it seems like not women empowerment within hip-hop and r&b but you know all right, where are we gonna get that 2019 ladies' night video? What are we, where, where are we right, going right, at right, when it comes right, to like some right. of these posse cuts, like things right, that right. that show that we're in a more unified front? Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're kind of in that era. What do you think? I think um, I don't know. I I I don't I don't know. I think mm. I I would love to see it. Mm. I would love to see it. That's fair. And and I'm there to support. I'm there to participate. I'm always like. I be in the cut like I've been, you know. I know a lot of people put it like that. Say less. I got you. you. Know? <laughs> um, so yeah, let's, let's let's talk about Cali for a minute. Yeah. You know, um, obviously you're from there. You were raised in a musical family. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed the, the Clive, the Clive mentioned. Yeah. So I'm very familiar with that means. But more importantly, when we're talking about, you know, let's just peek into sports. You know, you were talking about your down period. Uh, there is a woman right now who I know. If you're, if we talking about black girl magic, we actually got a top five when we right. when it comes to names, and it's probably Serena Williams. Yeah, you know, um, goat. Period. When it yeah. comes to accolades, man or woman, right? But when it comes to right now, this last benchmark she's trying to cross. You know, there is one uh, Grand Slam title, which is the major, the four major majors in tennis right. that she hasn't accomplished, and it sucks because for the past two years, even when she almost died on record by with her business, oh, excuse me, with her kid. Right. And then when it came to her getting married, she's still finding time to compete at a high level, right. but yet she still hasn't hit that promised land yet. Whether it be Sloane Stevens, which is another sister, probably one of the kids that she damn near raised by playing. Right. And then also uh, Naomi Osaka, who's the new the new dope black girl out here on the scene. And um, I think she just lost to that, uh, oh, Venus, excuse me. Venus just lost to that young black girl who looks like a Williams sister from Atlanta. Wow. But I guess what I'm saying is, you know, you from L.A., She's from Compton. You followed her career just even in passing. Um, What makes you such a fan? What what does Serena Williams mean to the area where you're from? What does she mean to the West Coast? Possibility, uh, excellence, extraordinary. She just, yeah, like she really, I mean, there's so many uh, black female from back to Flojo, you know what I mean? But, but what she's done contemporarily has been very impactful. Sidebar, I used to play tennis. I was waiting for that. Anyway, <laughs> I got people that love Serena that don't know shit about the Lennox, the uh, actual how it scores, so I'm actually oh, happy yeah. to talk to someone about tennis, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think even with uh, – there's a sweet spot when it comes to winning where it, where it's – it's actually like a it's a game. It already is a game, but then it becomes a game within yourself because you win either way. You have the attitude right. of gratitude and you're just like that's how where I'm at right now. Like I would be a mess if everything that mattered to me was like what position, what chart position, mm. who's talking about my project. Is it in this publication? Is it in that? How many sales? How many spins? Like, You would go crazy. I would go crazy. Mm. I would never be satisfied. What satisfies me is the girl who interviewed me earlier who said, yeah, so I was listening back for like a fifth time and I just started crying. There you have it. Say less. I did my job. Right. I made you feel something. That's it. That's great. I um, shit. I don't know. If there's even an analogy for that in, in, sport, in 
writing. I don't know if I ever made someone make someone cry. I don't know, maybe a photo <laughs> caption on IG or something. Oh, God. You, you're always good for that. Um, but I do feel that, though, especially with Serena, an, an aspect you talked about with Flojo as well. Yeah. Um, the fashion. You know, um, I don't think anyone's been more impactful when it came to fashion. Aside from Flojo's nails, I think of the Venus sisters and the, the Williams sisters, excuse me, with those the braids. braids. Yeah. yeah, and I think those are one of the things that when we talk about translates, right. you know, not only are you reflective, but, you know, it's like when the white kid from Russia or someone talks about it, they're like, oh, yeah, how do you draw Serena and Venus when they were in their prime? Or how do you draw them when they were kids? Yeah. They better have those braids. Right, So right. you better acknowledge blackness. Right, And right. if you don't, then you're Maria Sharapova. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Tasha. Sorry. That's where we're at today. That's where we're at. Sorry. Um, here we're at. Here we are. Here we are. Nah, but um, I do th- I do feel like, you know, anytime there's um, seven years, seven years or five, six, whatever you want to call it, yeah. there's a good opportunity to have some full circle moments. You know Ooh. what I mean? When it comes to talking to people, obviously this conversation and a few other things. Um, even when I was looking up the old conversation I had at the publication at the Griot back then, shout out Griot fam, yeah. was um, I asked you a question about what's the state of R&B back then in 2012, 2011? And it was the, I think the quote was, it was, a, it was like R&B is like a volcano right now setting to erupt. <laughs> Has that shit already happened or where we're at right now? Because I don't know if that was like one of those quotes when you were still on, you know, Rainbow Child, but right, right. now, you know, you're, you're, you've been in the game now. It, it is, it's, it's bubbling and, and it's like, it's so diverse. I keep talking about right. this. You have trap R&B, bedroom R&B, alternative R&B. You have so much. What's your favorite subgenre right now, aside from the one that you create? Um, my favorite subgenre, I don't know. Hmm. What within R&B or just yeah, I'm with R&B right now because like to your point, like I, someone, I, I got a little cousin, but like, yo, you got to hear insert person, and I'm like, who? Who they throw? They threw a name out to me, and I was just like, holy shit! I, had to, you know what? Because she was from North Carolina and they gave me one song, I wanted to do a really deep dive on Ari Lennox. Yeah. And once I did, I'm like, all right, now I know. Oh, this no, chick's a problem. Absolutely. She's, she's disgusting in a good way. Like I've she's, been knowing. I brought her um, right. to, to she uh, performed with me at Essence a couple years ago. Like she's um, sick. Voice like butter. Right. Shea I uh, saw. I knew you were going to do uh, that, but I'm surprised you went there. I'm happy, though. Um, nah, but like, I guess my whole thing is just like, I don't want to, I'm 32. I'm not trying to get to a point where I'm like, I'm ageist when it comes to my R&B. Cause yeah. I'm still a late, I'm still a nineties, early two yeah. thousands. Yeah. But how do you go ahead and acknowledge, or what is the next great era of R&B that we can all literally say? Cause before we could say nineties, cool. Then you say early two thousands when, you know, there's a few fresh crop, you know, but like, are we at a point right now where we can honestly say like, okay, R&B is good right now. Like, does it, is that is that fair to say? Oh yeah, okay. definitely. Cool, cool, definitely. cool. Yeah, and even even the ones that don't make R and B, it's like, are they contributors? Like, I mean, you know, I know some people that are great songwriters, but are they can they sing? Mm-hmm. No, but they are able to go ahead and put something together that communicates with people. You know, so I guess maybe that parallels into my next question, which is the whole, you know, competition thing that we talked about is the, is the songwriting. You know. Mm-hmm. Iron sharpens iron, and you know, coming from your parents and your family background and your tree, you may have had a leg up in that end, but, you know, being able to go ahead and craft a hit and be able to craft something for emotion, what is the, I guess, the variables of knowing what is a a good B-side and maybe what is an A-side, or you Mm. just let it out into the world and see where it hits? Yeah, the people ultimately decide, but... um like I was talking about earlier, there are devices that that will, you know, repetition, mm. like you said. If you have repetition and content, you pretty much like, you know, like a D'Angelo hit that's, mm. he, he ain't trying to make no hit, but it's a hit because it's undeniable, it's truthful, it's, it makes you feel something, mm. but it's not contrived. Damn, that was the last D'Angelo song was, for me, was... It's two in another life, and uh, yeah. I will never betray my heart. Mm. And I was like, I was all right, right. dude. All right, D- take ten more years off. Like right. shit, you can't be <laughs> doing that again or whatever. But I mean, I that I think that's a really great definition of it. Yeah, um, I've been in rooms where, like, you know, for certain labels, it's like Hit Factory. They they just want Barry Gordy, Motown, Temptation, yeah, 98. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, Not 98, but that's when the movie came out. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. No, it's okay. <laughs> For me, right now, I'm I'm 
I'm still in a, a discovery exploratory phase mm-hmm. of, of my career, my artistry where hey, look, I'm like <laughs> I'm kinda chilling. Like I don't if it's a hit, it's a hit, great. If it's not, I okay. Right. That's okay with me. You know? Um I could have done this I could have taken this position sooner. Had I done that, though, like, everything happens for a reason. Always. I got such an incredible hands-on experience. Even going to school for music was nothing could compare to what I actually experienced and what I actually learned from it. And now I get to apply that as a businesswoman. I own my own label now. I'm independent, so I... It's my decisions. It's it's on me, and that's new. So I'm just excited to keep going on that route. I do still have certain goals, like I want to write a true American classic. Okay. I want to write an American classic. Okay. What was the last great American classic, in your opinion? Ooh. Because that's my. I'm, I'm that guy. I'm a, okay. So where Damn. we at? I'm disrespectful. The last great American classic. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. You. No, that's, that. I mean. I mean, like, are we talking no think? genre? No genre as in, like, all right, when we talk about something that's probably going to go into Smithsonian as in library, as in something like that. I'm talking like that, stuff or something that's, that, like. Undeniably. You, that you, you know, my girl, or, oh, okay. like, I'm talking about stuff that they're going to continue to put in commercials Ooh. decade after decade. Respect. Okay, um, okay. So you want you want a, not a new Motown, but a Motown-esque, something that has second night emotion type. Yeah. You know? Mm, that is a great question. You know, what the world needs now, like, a, and a, a standard. Mm. Standards. Damn, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I feel like Alicia has had a couple that are like really really up there. So so that's an actual great a great that's elevated air, yeah, right? Because yeah. I think now we're talking about and I think Alicia even though pre-sunken yay, he used to have certain songs that were kind of like what's the word I'm looking for? Um anthem rap, like oh, stadium yeah. rap, like no one man should have all that power. Right, and right, I'm like, right. "Whoa, Big Brother," you know, things like that. Even the yeah, beat cuts were so yeah, strong. Yeah. Alicia Keys when she was in her bag and her not cuz it's never a prime, but when she right. when she was on her run. Right. You know, you're talking from no one. I mean, for me it was like even though it was Falling. you it, you don't know, you my, don't name. know my name. Mm, <laughs> like that's like when I hear that I'm like that's still my favorite Alicia Keys song because that's when mm. again pre-sunken yay was in his bag and when he produced that and i mean the video to the content to your point i mean it was classic i mean even the skit that people still make fun of like when they were on the phone i mean it was a moment right and i feel like that is that is something to obtain and that's and that's what we're trying to get the hell yeah yeah. we need that you need that you're still waiting for that one where it's like all right now refills here or wherever it is but i need this one in the rafters right yeah refill is like refill is an amazing song it probably could have gone bigger um possibly crossover i don't know um but yeah so that's 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 my next feat. I, I need that hall of fame track i need my yeah. banger the rafters you need to hang it up on the jersey because everyone you know what yes i feel like i can't wait to see it though because i know it's gonna happen because like it, it, to your point when someone's in their bag or someone's in their flow state you know what i mean and and speaking of uh, of you know even Bill Withers, right? You know Bill Withers didn't walk into a studio until he was thirty three years you, old. Did you see the Clarence Doc too, Avant Doc? No. Okay, cool. I I'm did. glad you know that. Perfect. I no, you did. my parents met on his tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I didn't know they met on the actual tour though. Yeah, Obviously. yeah. Jesus. They worked. They both. Were you didn't have a shot, man. You had no shot to be in this business, right? <laughs> Ain't no shot. Jesus Christ, Bill Withers. What? Come on, man. That's Uncle, Bill. Uncle Bill, <laughs> you heard it. Uncle Bill, Bill. Uncle Barry, right, right, right. Flex. It's just a little bit slight. I see white, you out here. Very white. Yeah, yeah. I actually was listening to. Uh, it's funny you talk about that because um, I'm such a music R and B nerd. So is my man Brian. You know, uh-huh. he went to Norfolk State. I went to North Carolina A and T. He's a Redskins fan, unfortunately. Uh-huh. But um, 
we we always find out the most because we're such music nerds. We're always trying to find like those ad libs and those songs that are those in the back seats of the car Ooh, when we were kids. Yeah. So as soon as I don't know what came in one day, I, I I don't know. It was a long weekend, but I was just like, "Show you right," and then, <laughs> and then he was like, "Show you right," and we're like, "Where the fuck is that from?" And we we're just like, and we literally stopped what we were doing in the office, and we we're just like, "If you think I want to take care," I'm like. It's the Secret Garden, and it was like the it took me, but it literally took that Barry saying "Show you right," and then right. I'm like, "Where did I get this from?" And then, yeah, so I and then obviously you go down the rabbit hole, and then you're talking about Ingram, and you start talking about the yeah. old R&B, but no, that's literally how we talk. We just talking ad libs and R&B. Right, like, right, right. That's how we speak. So it's really nice to um to really to, one I didn't know that I'm from Uncle B, Uncle B. So, um, crazy segue. Um, so Space Jam Two is going to be coming out. Uh, there's never going to be a way to exhale too. <laughs> but what I do feel in that era is there's a very, very strong mm. 90s soundtrack R&B, right? Mm. So I ask you this. If someone were to create the definitive mashup 90s soundtrack, what three songs have to be on it? Wait, for Space Jam 2? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Terrible segue. Let me rephrase. If you're taking from the era when the 90s, or we're talking about these black 90s movie soundtracks, uh-huh. what are some of the songs from there that if oh, I were to create God, a... those soundtracks are so good. So, it was so bulky, to right? Exhale yeah. so good. So that's all the debate actually on Twitter. It was like, Waiting to Exhale, was that the greatest 90s R&B movie soundtrack of all time? I think so. You think so? Probably. Okay. Maybe the that and the bodyguard, the best man. What was it? Were you? What's the peanut gap? I said best man. Okay, I saw that trending too earlier because I saw they did that clip with uh, was it uh, the, it was like the Black Man Avengers. It was like Tyrese. <laughs> it was like Tyrese, um, RL case, full jean jacket, leather, okay. genuine, and Tyrese Joe. just I had to say Tyrese twice because it was wild. Um, but. I think when we're talking about that, I think um, definitely Waiting to Exhale has got to be on there. Yeah. But the best song from Waiting to Exhale. The first thing that comes to mind is Count um, on Me. That was my song. Shit, I wasn't even going to say that. I thought it was going to be Not Going to Cry. Like, this is deep. Like, we're, we're here now. Like, <laughs> yo. Man. You know what I mean? I, I think Waiting to Exhale, though, might be the strong one because if you were talking about complete body of work as someone who's curating yeah. something... You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to over speak over that because I have a terrible bass voice. It's fine. She was humming. It's fine. Um, how about, and this is why I say Space Jam, I also thought that was an underrated soundtrack because that had Monica's For You I Will. Mm. Um, probably one of the greatest 90s posse cuts, Hit Em High, which yeah. was the the, art, the the rap track. Hit Em High. Hit Em High. Hit em high. <laughs> um, fly Like an Eagle. Um, Seal. Seal. Um, your boy. Yo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. The song we all had to sing in fifth grade for no damn reason in third grade. That one. And um, uh, damn, I'm going to hell for that one. And basketball Jones, you know, with uh Chris Rock and a uh, Bugs Bunny. I don't know. I think I think that's up there. Wait, my what? My mom is singing that. That's your mom. Yeah. <laughs> basketball Jones. <laughs> I, I got, got a basketball, basketball Jones. Jones. That's your mom. She's singing on that. Yeah. I just nerded out. I want to end this damn interview. That's the only thing you don't know. So hold on. How did you? So when you heard that as a kid, that was just a, a Tuesday for your mother. What was that? What was it? My mom was a working singer, background singer, vocalist. Like she just, like I grew up around those people that were writing the songs, that were creating the songs. You know. Never knew Rasan that. Sean Patterson, my godfather. Um, Keith Crouch, like they were writing Brandy. Some, a lot of people don't even know about Ray J's first album. This, um, oh, before, um, I, I actually do know this, but I'm not gonna, um, I'm not gonna shame myself. And now myself. I'm gonna forget the damn name. It's so good. That's why we have computers. It is so good. Not, oh, wait, Co- not that one. Fuck with you. Um, it has um, everything that you want from me. Damn, damn Ray J. I, I, I always forget this. I'm gonna bring this up. What's the name of that first album? It was uh, Everything You Want. Everything You Want. Everything You Want. Not this ain't a game, no. <laughs> Guys, I did, first of all, I forgot the name of Ray J's first album. Second of all, the fact that um, you're you're basically your your extended family basically is the back the backbone for a uh, modern '90s R&B. That oh. is, uh, <laughs> you see what I just did? 
good. Speaking You're of good. bars today, it's been a wild day. Um, no, no, no. I do believe, though, I mean, it's funny they how things. They contributed. Contributing. They were out here. They were out here in a great way. Mm-hmm. So, so tell me about this, right? Because things come full circle. Mm-hmm. A generation is twenty years. We're getting to that point where, Ooh. you know, things that are new or things that were old are being repurposed as being new. Um, what is the one thing that you want to see um, from the era in you know your childhood, my childhood? Things that you would like to be seen as? A, I don't know if you want to call it a a principle or some type of standard, Ooh. but something that you would like to see that was attributed in that crop to this new modern scene of R&B? Because the, the game's different. Music's right. different now, right? And how we consume it, and more importantly, how we discover our people. So, I want, I want there to be, I wouldn't mind some more metaphors. Like, instead of just directly saying mm-hmm. everything, I wouldn't mind there to be, uh, you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I want to f you on the sofa at four o'clock, like four o'clock too, mind you. You know, it's just about to turn over. Like, so like four o'clock. Why? You know what I mean? Like I do think that's the one thing I'm missing. Yeah, hungry for a sandwich. A sandwich. You know what um, I mean? Like let's get a little more. That could be a song today, and <laughs> and I thought it was. You know, <laughs> it's fine. It probably is. You know, but no, but no. To your point, you know, though, I'm I, hungry for your love, girl. Yeah, girl. Let Rock me my world. That's salami. Never mind. Um, that's enough. That's enough today, no, guys. No, but and and that's the thing about it. Like they were saying some nasty, crazy stuff, but as kids, we didn't know that. You at know, the time. until um, you know, yeah, because I was always. I always wondered, you know, my parents was definitely listening to like the freak R&B, but the freak R&B was censored. And I believe we curse too much in this modern form. I'm like, yo, why is everything cussing? Like, and I think that was the thing. I was confused. And, I, and that's when I sound like an old head. I'm like, we got, right. we got Trey songs rapping. We got Trace, we got Chris Brown trying to rap. I'm like, yo, sing, sing, rap, rap. Just do one good. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't half-ass it. Because I've heard some people, not just them, but people where I'm just like, look, just because Drake can harmonize at a very high level and then still write at a very high level does not make you or that makes that the quote unquote, you know, the standard, you know, just because he's the archetype or whoever it means, just because you can do both. Why don't you sharpen whatever your tool set is and then dominate from there? And I want to limit people by doing that. But right. I do feel like when we're cursing too much in R&B, it takes away from the um, the intimacy of the uh, subject matter and um, what the target and is. And it's not even like, you know, I curse too sometimes, but I think it's more so um, the vulnerability, like, mm-hmm. you know, Take Bryson Tiller, for example. He just, his first thing was, don't be dishonest. Like, and everyone was like, wait, what? A guy saying this? Like, right. Clutch my pearls. It, it, it was refreshing. It was different. It was a different conversation than, than what we're used to. It's like, you know, I don't need... Bitches and bitches ain't shit. Bitches ain't shit. Bees in the trap. Nah, it's terrible, Nikki. My fault. That's no, literally takes my whole point. Yeah, they're they're. I would like to see some more vulnerability, some more honesty, tenderness. Like, who's the last tender artist that you were a fan of from the, from the male side? And that's honest. I mean, Brunch and Tiller, and I agree. I think sometimes less is more. The last tender artist. It sounds so weird, but we're gonna say. It. I know, right. <laughs> Um, Your most in the fields, Frank Ocean maybe was it Frank? Frank is tender. Frank is tender. <laughs> no, I mean, we're gonna change Drake the has his tender moments. Drake has his tender moments. Drake got a few tender moments, man. He got some tender. That's a tender nigga right there. That's a tender ass nigga, and I love Drake. That's what I'm saying. So far gone ten years ago. Yeah. As far we out here, damn. So far um, gone ten years ago. You know, I'll always never mind. Barney bullshit me, man. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We'll say that. We'll say that one for the extra but, a little um, later. That's fine. Yeah, like instrumentation, musicianship, production, not just making beats, mm. production. Like there's there's a lot of guys out here though that are really killing it. Um that are bringing that level back the whole internet and Thundercat or Thundercat, Ron man. Gilmore. Um, What's my man's from uh, TDE? Uh, the the duo. Terrence uh, Martin. Oh, Terrence. No, not Earth Gang. That's uh, that's Dreamville. Even though they go hard, I'm talking about uh, oh. the ones from Howard. The 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 production Schoolboy Q, Tez and fuck their names. They're they're the, there's the dudes from the um. Okay, I got you. I don't got my glasses, but I saw that number. Oh. Um, um, 
Nah, I forget their names, but they're responsible for TDE's more soulful sound. I don't know my Howard yeah. friends are gonna kill me for this, and I and it's a production duo, but they um a lot of Cali beats back in the day for me they were really distinct, and not because oh, yeah. of, you know exactly when you're a Cali beat. Oh yeah. But in my opinion, growing up on the East Coast, whether I've been to the to the to the to the betterment or not, it's like when I heard that boom 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 boom, I'm like. <laughs> What the fuck? Yeah, I appreciate yeah. they bring the soulfulness when, yeah. and I'm like this new wave of Alice. Actually, you know what? I think anything post. Have you ever heard the song that comes from? No. It's an. It's incredible. I probably have. Probably have back in my childhood. It's incredible. It's an instrumental. No, I haven't. You gotta send me that, or someone I'll, has I'll to. Pop it up for you. Let yeah. me know, cause I gotta. Um, I'll do the deep dive on the singles. The only person I've been really listening to on the R and B end that's been like taking me back has been a uh, Leon Ware. Oh. Like rocking you eternally, like oh, that's been yeah. that's been my playlist right now. I've been doing that. And I've been a listening to that Marvin Gaye album, "I Want You," that he wrote most of it. So, oh, really? See, the one Marvin Gaye one right now has been for me has been like, all right, because I'm kind of like I was a, again. We talk about yay, yeah. So it's just like, where is Kanye's "Hear My Dear"? Album? Right, right, right. That's the shit that everyone's waiting for because I mean, considering where he's been at, you know, professionally, personally, where he's been a few years, I think people are still waiting for. And I hate when people root for someone's downfall, but I think people are waiting for him to um, have his come to Jesus, whatever moment, to get back to whatever music but they I may have fell he, in love with. You know what? I'm sorry. I want to be more. Say less. It's fine. I, I want to. Uh, we'll I'm too we'll reserved. I'm too reserved. It's fine. I need to talk some shit. Yeah, that refill. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> being fun. No, you're fine. This is actually. You no, know, he's got Sunday service. Oh, that was bullshit, right? Oh, my God. He took, um, what was it? He took, and you know, mind you, I saw the post, and I'm like, damn, yeah, like, for someone who's, and uh, fuck it, I don't care, because I don't care. Um, I was, as someone who's, I think any one person who comes in and talk about religion and faith, you're always going to be taught your parents' religion. You know, that's yeah. something you're born into. And then whether it be through tragedy or something personally, whatever moves you, you're going to go ahead and find your, your own faith. Yeah. Now, I guess for me, and I think when someone preaches the gospel or someone, you know, says Sunday service, you know, um, clothing aside, uh, matrix looking ass, hobo, <laughs> chic, all that shit aside. I think the thing that blew me away was the fact that because I was like, damn, maybe he's maybe he is back. Maybe he's getting back into his thing. But then I saw then he sold the merch Sunday service. Jesus wept just saying things that are just colloquially that are used in like black churches. And then you're reintroducing it through your family, your new family. And it blows my mind because I'm like, you're not going to go and sell this to me. Like, there's not a Starbucks on 125th or whatever version of whatever you're giving to your audience. That's why they feel that shit's a slap in the face. You know, especially when you're remixing 90s things. Things that, you know, great songs on their own. Like, he did, I love No Doubt. You know, oh, I, I no think doubt. he did. Gwen Stefani, she tweeted, oh my God, I love this version of a Don't Speak Kanye, you made it a hymn. Why the fuck would you make <laughs> Don't Speak a hymn? I don't know. It's just kind of like when they used to, like when Music Soul Child was popping, was actually still one of my favorites. I yeah. think he has amazing first album mm -hmm. but i remember when when christians were remixing love and and using lord you know i didn't mind that yeah. because I, I can understand the parallels you know you can easily throw in god in there but when you're taking songs and more importantly profiting you know off something that is considered to be free that's where my distaste or my disconnect same thing with the mental health thing i'm like fam like you're not you haven't shown the range to be speaking about certain things and your actions whether it be public private or whatever has not put you in a position to be an authority. I don't, all I can say is that it's a scary time we're in where people have these platforms that can say and do anything at, at, at any time. And there's, there's a level of responsibility that comes, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, but you are influencing people in a major way and I think that we have to we got to get it together you gotta tighten up we got climate change we got kids you know being locked up and ice and we got oh you know my new favorite thing is I saw a black kid who um is getting precious charged being pressed against him because he hit a white kid in the head with a dodgeball oh my and God. the parents want to sue the black family because their kid got hit in the head with a dodgeball. I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. And more importantly, just speaking to, I guess maybe the ultimate question El Varner is right now is, what's it like being a black woman right now in 2019? Mm. A couple years ago, I would have been, 
probably more excited about it. I'm I'm very excited. Like I'm I love being a black woman. I I'm a little what's the word? Dis uh not discouraged. So it's it's unfortunate to you grow up and you see more of what's really happening and how people look at you and treat you and and might look past you or how hard it really is, you know? And much respect to my mom and all the black moms out there that have raised us and went through even crazier shit and our grandparents, like... This but is lightweight to them, low key. This yeah, is no, it is, but it's it's still, but but we're extremely powerful. We're women and we're black. We're you know, that's a hell of a combination right there. And to all my sisters, just take care of yourself. You're mental. Don't think you have to be the strongest person in the room, and that you you know have to just take everything and keep it moving. Like no, you know. I don't know. I, we're we're doing some powerful shit right now. It's pretty popping, man. Listen, it's as, as a, I'm, a, I'm a fan. I'm a fan, obviously. So, um, you Thank know, you. we'll go ahead and pivot. We'll go and get these uh, kill questions out the way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, kill questions, as violent as it is, is not that serious. Um, okay. We're basically asking you questions that are basically alluding to one background, two, so sports things, things that create a little debate, okay. and you know, just you know, talk shit time. So. You know, the one thing we ask you all the time is, and it's great to always have a musician in here, you know, a true a true writer, someone who's nice with the pen. You know, um, we always ask people, what are the, what would be the five albums or what would be the album you would give your first child? So that's one. You can answer that if you want. Okay. I would love, I would love to hear that. But two, I think this might actually be the more exciting one considering your background. When you have your first child or your future kid, who are the songwriters they need to study? Mm. Obviously, it's having their mom, but, you know, right. who they need to study and why. Because here, points on the board, we always want to make sure that people have the points of reference to go ahead and get better in what their, what their craft is. So Stevie Wonder, um, <clears throat> Burt Bacharach. Uh, why Stevie? Because he's kind of, like, obviously omnipotent when it comes. He can write about any subject right. well and immediately give anthem or stadium music because yeah. a walking rafter machine <laughs> but he can take the simplest conversation and the simplest subject and illuminate it in a very creative heartfelt way at the same time like his choices of words are are just my sherry and more lovely as a summer day distant as the milky way like you went you, she went out there and found you know her, I mean? and you brought her back. That's right. how that's how fly she is. Yeah, I just I'm a, a song nerd, but um, who you, else? You gave me three because you gave me two already. I gave you two already. Uh, I gave you Stevie Burt, um, Sade. I mean, she's a genre, so yeah, might as well. I mean, well, it's a band technically. Oh no, I mean just Helen. her music. I mean, right, you know, right. Obviously, she just made the news actually too. Uh, I mean, her child, um, her child was up talking about a, uh, a surgery. I think they had a transition, so her kids are out here. Yeah, she has a transgender son, and he opened up about uh, the process of coming out. Yeah. So, a little little tidbit there. Um, so, so we have that, but the albums. You know, Lauren Hill. Damn it. The that's education. The fuck, man? Do we even need to ask this anymore? Like, shit, it's always going to be Lauren. Lauren, yeah. um, okay, so let me ask this one more time, cursing aside. Um, what's the one album your, your future child must hear? Miseducation. Okay, why? Because it's going to cover so many bases. It's going to just be rich and and heavy and... She's gonna be. It is. It's gonna. It's gonna last. It's gonna be. You know, like like giving them a bar of gold. Hmm. Like you know what I mean. Currency don't never depreciate. Yeah, it's never gonna depreciate. I love that. Um, you feel free. You don't want to answer this, but this is a fun <laughs> one. Um, would you rather have the miseducation in your discography, or would you rather have the masterpiece of miseducation, 
or would you want Erica Badu's uh, discography or her career? As in, like, damn, how am I supposed to say this? The longevity of Erica Badu's career versus uh, Miss Education's album, which holds up more when it comes to Neo Soul and its impact. Mm. That's tough. I can't really answer that. I think they're two separate t- so separate. Then you got Jill Scott. Like there's Ooh, shit. There you go. Yeah, no, nah, we Philly. can't. There we go. We can't. That's my baby. I love Jill. We can't go there. Okay, say less. Um, so last but not least, and um, make sure I don't get this right. Um, there's a lot of uh, and I always always want to ask sisters about this too, about um, Disney princesses, mm-hmm. because um, obviously pre. This new live action Little Mermaid. I think women, are, you know, just in Disney, you took what you could get. Before there was the, the Tiara, who's the frog. Prior to that, there was like Jasmine, who was Arabic. She wasn't black. Do you remember Happily Ever After on HBO? HBO, yes. That princess was black. She was super black. That was actually a black ass. Oh, matter of fact, culturally um, sensitive and that, on point. The, the prince was white. Right. The princess was black. Uh, I think her parents were like. <laughs> they just threw them out there. They're just like no, different colors. It was like, like Cinderella. See, that's like Cinderella. I don't shit. know, but it was just like. I think you know, even when you had uh, uh, what was the Romeo and Juliet? Right, right. Lucio was black. The Leonardo um, DiCaprio one, right? Yeah, like. Yeah, that had a uh, woman in there. Uh, John Leguizamo. He was. Uh, yeah. He was the raw one. I forget his name, but he didn't give a fuck. Tybalt? Yeah, Tybalt. Yo, you're nerd too. Oh, this is perfect. This is perfect. I'm glad we didn't talk about like some really nerdy like video right. games or some no. shit like that. We would have been there. I'm like, okay, now we should talk. But um, I do feel like, I'm sorry, I forgot the whole point. No, I just feel <laughs> like it's it's sad to see like what the fuck is happening now. Like we grew up seeing diversity, seeing multiple shows on TV that represented us. You know, it was Family Matters. It was... Uh, Sister, sister was the other one. Um, proud family. So no, um, proud no. family. Smart guy. Smart uh, guy. What's my, um, what's my lady's name? Thea from uh, <laughs> from BET. I still remember Thea. Half and half was it called? Yeah, half and half. And then half also and my brother and me, which only had five and a half episodes. So, yeah, <laughs> it's it's fine. You know, shout out to Amanda Diva Sills. I think she was on that joint back in the day. All was, that? Yeah. I mean, Do you remember the Roundhouse? So the, it was all that, but then there was another show called The Roundhouse, and for some reason that was their first test of like the SNL for kids. Do you remember um, the uh, uh, Kids Incorporated? Yes, yes. I feel mad old now because right. um, I still remember that, just like uh, Salute Your Shorts. So oh, if I remember Salute Your Shorts, then you know you're, we're on the same wavelength, Miss um, Varner. So um, I appreciate that. Um, last but not least, I think. Um, you know, points on the board is a, is a phrase we always use, and um, we brought you in here to talk about your, your ability with the pen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you just explain, you know, the joy or the feeling of what's it like when you write a song that you can stand on. Uh, here's how I put points on the board when it comes to my writing. It's like making a gumbo, and I, you know, you have the, the meat, you have the rice, right. the sauce. The jambalaya. The jambalaya, I think. I've actually never made gumbo. <laughs> but I just, you know. That was, for, that was yo, you were flowing. You were like, okay. you're about to say some ingredients but, you but never heard. But each thing, each component is equally important to the balance. So, you know, I have my intention. What am I trying to say? What am I talking about? Okay. Then what word choices am I going to use? Am I... Can I replace this word with something better? Can I say this but say it differently? Maybe I've complicated this because I, for some egotistical reason, because I want to be like, because I want to flex, but I really didn't need to flex, and I could have just said straight up. Um, There's the melody. Um, Is it familiar? Is it unique? But sometimes you don't want it to be unique. Sometimes you just want it to sound like a nursery rhyme or something slightly different than something people have heard a thousand times. Um, it's like people who put like weird shit in their coleslaw or like oh, it's like yeah, you I know got what raisins. I mean? a potato salad. Like don't mess it up. Like yeah. it doesn't need new things. My mom, rest in peace. She said my mom put together uh, for for some reason I was a kid and uh, I don't know why. 
I don't know if she just read the cookbook one day and she was just said, you know what, for some reason, I'm going to go ahead and do this Japanese Asian fused. It was like pasta, but it was just like apples and it was peanut butter. And I looked at her and my dad, we were just like, yo, I love this woman so much. And I'm about to tell her that this is the one thing that she's ever made for me that I can't consume. Damn. And I looked dead in the eye. You didn't said, even try it? I did. And then I, I looked dead in the <laughs> eye and said, Dad, that's something to say to you. Because I'm not going to look at my mom a lot of my mom. So, um, but now the gumbo analogy putting points on the board, I yeah. think um, I think that pretty much sums it up. Yeah. It's uh, it's about giving it giving it your best. And, and um, you know, to give it your best, you have to know who's come before you. You have to study. You have to practice. I The last thing I'll say is the road to quality is through quantity. So if you're sitting there hung up on one song for 10 days, don't do that. Like, write 10 songs in 10 days or 20. Probably one of them will be really good. Yo, rappers, don't 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 take that shit. We don't need no more mixtapes, though. We'll do that for the R and B. No, don't put them all out. Don't put them all out. There's there's like a, you know you know when you know. That's fair. You know when you know, and if you care to know, see that again. We could go on and on. I I'm a student of the game. So many have come before me, and I'm just trying to put my little points on the board. You know what I mean? So I can't. I just got to keep aiming and aiming and striving, doing my best. Elvarna, thank you for coming by for Points on the Board. It's been an <laughs> honor and a privilege. Um, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation and um, hopefully have you back here soon. Yeah, definitely. Please remember to rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud so you can hear points on the board anywhere you want. And of course, always on the shadowleague.com. You can put it on the board, yeah!